0: So here we are, um, We're actually eight Sundays into our series on Joshua, actually, and there's, only t- there's 12 in total, eight or nine, I may have that quite wrong, actually. Um, and you might be forgiven for wondering how uh, we were going to fit it all in, given that last Sunday, you may recall, when David spoke, we were in chapter nine, and uh, today we're in chapter 20. So I've uh, jumped us forwards. Uh, so actually by the end of April, we'll finish our series on Joshua, and we'll go into the Gospel of John. For the Easter period. Now, the reason I jumped over those chapters 10 to 19 is not because they are relevant, but they all cover they cover the final defeat of various kings and the subsequent division of the land um, among the Israelite tr- tribes. And I just chose to exclude that section from this particular series, Sunday morning series. Now, you may have been particularly looking forward to reading that and going through that yourselves, but I'm not stopping you from doing so you're very welcome to do so, but you'll have to do so in your own time. So the passage we come to this morning is uh, the passage that deals with these cities of refuge. Um, And we're gonna look at them in their own time and context just so we make sure we understand what they're all about. But then we're also gonna look at them in the context of being a Christian here today in Milford and the surrounding areas. And you'll see on the slide there that the, the, the theme underneath this morning's message is this theme of finding mercy within the justice of God. So I'm going to look first of all as I, at, at them historically and um, just reread just two or three of the verses to start with. Then the Lord said to Joshua, tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge as I have instructed you, Through Moses, so that anybody who kills a person accidentally and unintentionally may flee there and find protection from the avenger of blood. Now, if you go back into the Old Testament, further back into the Old Testament, these cities of refuge, refuge have already appeared in a number of books, in Numbers, in Deuteronomy, and even right back to Exodus, they appear. But now, where we are in the book of Joshua, Joshua is now in in the place to actually put these these, uh, commands of the Lord into place, as they have taken the land, and they're going to establish as part of that these cities of refuge. Now, even before the law of Moses was given, God had laid down a basic rule that those who shed blood should pay for that crime with their own blood, now, You to go back, back to Genesis 9 for that. And especially when God is blessing Noah after the flood, he also warns him very clearly about the seriousness of taking another person's life. I'm just gonna read a couple of verses there. From each man, the word says, I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds blood of a man, by man shall his blood be shed. For the image of God has made man. Clearly one of the crimes that God regarded most seriously was a crime of one human being against another. And obviously taking a life was such an assault. Taking the life of another person is in that sense an assault against the image of God we understand uniquely within each human soul. But this principle of, of was subsequently clarified and spoken of repeatedly elsewhere in the Old Testament, where God makes a distinction between murder and what is referred to by us as manslaughter. And manslaughter is broadly an accidental and unintentional killing of another person, an accident. Now, through the provision of the cities of refuge, this potentially inflammatory situation was removed from local jurisdiction and a safeguard created against easy miscarriages of justice through blood feuds when retribution for manslaughter slaughter was left in the hands of family members. Joshua sets apart three cities of refuge, three on one side of the Jordan, three on the other side of the Jordan, and on each of them, he sets, he sets like one in the north, one in the middle, and one in the south. So they are distributed evenly around the land. And if you look to see where they are positioned, none of those cities are more than 30 miles from anybody anywhere in the land itself. The idea is they're always available and spread out. And the law is really quite simple. Anybody who killed another person could flee to a city of refuge and be protected from the avenger of blood until the elders of the city could investigate the situation for themselves. If they found the fugitive guilty of murder, he or she would be put to death. But if they concluded that was not the case, but it was manslaughter, the fugitive would be allowed to live in the city and be protected by them. It's also worth pointing out in that reading, in verse 9 of the reading, the word says this, any of the Israelites or any alien living among them who killed someone accidentally could flee to the designated cities. The cities of refuge, even way back then, were places of refuge not just for Jews but also for anybody else. The mercy and the justice of God clearly applied here to Jew and to Gentile alike. And when I read that verse, it was reminding me of Romans 10, where Paul says, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's the historical context. So let me now turn to what we as Christians in 2023 might draw from the text ourselves about the nature and the saving purposes of God. As I say, like so much scripture, it's not just an historical event that has been recorded just for for recording its sake, as it were, but it is there for us to hear from God in our present time and place. Now many theologians have seen in the cities of refuge a picture of our salvation in Jesus Christ, to whom we as believers, uh, have, as the writer of Hebrews says, we have fled to him to take hold of the hope that is being offered to us. That's in Hebrews chapter six and verse 18. Each Christian man or woman here has at some time come to know the personal realization or a fundamental truth, which the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans 6. And that truth is, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The realisation that this avenger of blood, rightly seeking justice, pursues all souls who have sinned, and nothing can save them from their doom, apart from God's own appointed saviour, Jesus Christ, who has been given to the world as the mediator of God's mercy. The witness of the church has always echoed those words of Peter right back in Acts 4 when he declared that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And if you're sitting here this morning wondering about your own status in relation to sin this morning, then let me remind you of Paul's words in Romans 3. All have sinned, he says, all fall short of the glory of God. We all stand in need of God's mercy for we have all fallen short of his glory. We can only enter that, this place of refuge, this city of refuge, by recognising our plight, our need, and knowing in our hearts that we cannot save ourselves. We face a choice, a choice to remain on the run forever, or to give up and to take hold of the mercy that God is offering to us. It is one or the other. There is no fence to sit on. God's mercy can be received simply as an act of faith, just by trusting in God's Son, Jesus Christ, the living word made flesh, who said to those who wish to follow him, come to me, come to me all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's also worth noting that uh, back to the, old, the original cities of refuge, in the Old Testament we're told that they have to be, the roads to these cities of refuge have to, have to be regularly maintained. There had to be ways that be found easy and people could travel easily down them. And I think just as God wanted it to be easy for fugitives to find the cities of refuge in Joshua's day, so he has made it easy for us to choose to flee to Christ for refuge in ours. (coughs) Deciding to trust in God's word by faith is a simple, well-marked road that any man or woman can choose to walk on just as the witnesses of millions of believers throughout history have shown us, it remains a choice for you and for me. Once we know that we are fugitives, once we know there is nowhere else to hide, we can either keep on the run or we can flee to a refuge. I would also like to point out the meaning of some of the names of those cities of refuge and how they also point to Jesus. Taking them in order in Joshua 20 verses 7 and 8, Kadesh, righteousness, Sheshem, strength, Hebron, fellowship, Bezer, fortress or safety, refuge, Ramoth, to lift up. And the last one, Golan, translators don't fully agree on the meaning of of the the name, but it seems plausible that it means happiness or joy. And these names, each one, can be used by us as Christians to see something of Jesus Christ, to see something of what sinners experience as they come to refuge in Jesus. Firstly, he gives them his righteousness so that they can never be accused again. Some passages from Romans. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And a little bit later in chapter 8. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. So righteousness. And then we have fellowship. God, like a shepherd, watches over his people, caring for them, watching and guiding them in life. Again, beautiful verse in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And the place of fortress where we are safe with him. The psalmist, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy and I will give thanks to him in songs. And lastly, they dwell in peace, lifted up, as it were, even though we know ourselves to be exiled pilgrims in this world. Peter talked in chapter 5 of his first letter, humble yourselves before God, for under his mighty hand he will lift you up in due time. Thus, Jesus Christ is our place of refuge. In Christ, we have access to the blessings suggested by the names of the cities in this passage in the book of Joshua. But the naming of those cities way, way back point to a much greater refuge, that of Jesus Christ who would come in time. Just as the tabernacle in the Old Testament points to a greater tabernacle in heaven. So whoever we are Whether we are in God's world, though God's arms of salvation, which were spread wide on the cross for our sakes, now remain open to each one of us right up to the present day. As Paul in Romans writes, anybody who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew or Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Like those cities of refuge whose doors were always kept open to anyone fleeing from their sin, the arms of Christ are always open to any who would flee to him for refuge. In Joshua's day, the cities of refuge were only eventually a haven for those judged as innocent. But the refuge we have in Christ has no such limitations. The worst of humanity can run to him with confidence and find mercy, forgiveness, and freedom at the foot of the cross. It is profoundly at the cross that we see the justice of God embracing the mercy of God. And that embrace we call grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. I'm sure you would have heard of that. Only at the cross do we see God's justice and God's mercy. Bring us God's grace. So no wonder the scriptures of old and new urge us to flee, to take refuge in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. I'm just going to read three final verses from the psalms, different psalms, and there's many more One I could have chosen. Psalm 118, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. And the last one, Psalm 62, trust in him at all times. O oh, people, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Might he be our refuge today as well. Amen. Let us